Thanks for listening to the Embrace Church podcast. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you to take a step towards Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, hey, Embrace. I hope everyone's doing all right so far today. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses, all of our network churches. To each and every one of you with us online, know that we are overjoyed that you've decided to come genuinely just pumped uh, that you are here. And my hope is that God would just come and speak to every single one of us here today. Last week, we started up a brand new series going through the book of 2 Samuel, uh, which if you don't know, 2 Samuel is a book found in the Bible. And speaking of the Bible, the Bible, it can be so confusing. It can be so overwhelming. And the same is true with the book of 2 Samuel. But our hope is that God would come alive, that God would come alive through these words to each and every one of us, and that he would meet us wherever we are, exactly where we are. And so last week, we, we shared the backstory on this book and really brings us to today. And we talked about how David went from being a shepherd boy out in the fields to killing a giant named Goliath to being appointed as the king of Israel by God himself. And we shared that David wasn't just a king. No, he was a great king. And finally, after winning battle after battle after battle, God finally gave David and the people of, of God, the Israelites, he finally gave them rest. And they were established. They were secure as a leader. David had reached this mountaintop and all was well. And it's just like, what could possibly go wrong when everything is going so right? Well, all of this brings us to our story for today. And so if you have a copy of 2 Samuel or the Bible on your phone, I want to invite you to open it up right now to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you need some help, it is on page 52. And I really, really want to encourage us, again, whether you have a physical copy or the Bible on your phone, to open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 11. My hope with this series is that if this is uncomfortable or awkward for you to open up the Bible, that by the end of it, you would just have a little bit more courage to begin opening up the Bible on your own, okay? So again, as we've already shared, everything is going great. David and the people of God are doing fantastic. And then in verse 11, we're told this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, but David remained in Jerusalem. Let me repeat that again. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab along with the king's men and the whole Israelite army out, but David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, so I, I just want to pause here for a second and just highlight this. This right here, David staying home instead of going off to war, it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Like last time I checked, it's not a sin to stay at home. Last time I checked, it's not a big deal if you decide that you're gonna not go out to war. Just to overstate this, at first glance, it appears like this is not a big deal whatsoever, David staying home for war. And yet, as we're about to find out, it's actually a very, very big deal. Like I'm just saying, this, this subtle shift, David staying home from war, it may seem like it is nothing, but it turns out it's about to change everything. Don't miss this right here. Sin 
often starts with a subtle shift. Let let me repeat this and, and to be more direct. Sin, or you could insert the word stupidity, often starts with a subtle shift. Now, let me just get practical for a second because I know that often the Bible can appear to be outdated and it's like, what does this old book have anything to do with my life here in 2024? And it just feels totally irrelevant. For David, this subtle shift, it's staying home from war. For us, a subtle shift, it's that first text message to our cute coworker. Oh, snap, right? And to be clear, this isn't the first text message we've sent to a coworker. We've actually sent a whole bunch of text messages to our coworkers. It's actually a part of our job, but we just know that this specific text message is different. Or I just happen to start taking lunch at the same time that they do. Or I just happened to start dressing nice for the first time in 10 years when I got engaged to my wife. I haven't dressed nice since then, but I've decided I'm going to dress nice and I'm going to go find that old bottle of CK1 cologne and I'm going to bring it out. CK1 for life, right? Right? We just know it might appear to be totally innocent, but for some reason we know that it's a subtle shift. Don't be a fool. Sin often starts with a subtle shift. Maybe for you, this subtle shift, you slowly begin to change who you hang out with. And sure, they don't do the best things, but you're strong and you can handle it. Or maybe it's around money and you're not technically lying or anything. There's just a subtle shift and you just start intentionally leaving out some details. Maybe for you, you struggle with over shopping and it would be totally innocent for most people, but for you, this subtle shift is applying for a credit card. Maybe it's on your phone. And it's not porn, like they still kind of have some clothes on, but there's this subtle shift and you find yourself scrolling picture after picture, reel after reel. Or maybe for you, you used to go to church on a regular basis. You used to read your Bible and you still love God, but there's just this subtle shift and life has just gotten really, really Busy, one more time, sin often starts with a subtle shift, often starts with the simplest things. Friends, with this today, I I just got to believe that there is someone here, hearing my voice right now, who has made this subtle shift, whether it's with sex, whether it's with money, whether it's with drinking, taking a pill, whatever it might be, fill in the blank. And I I say this out of love and I'm, I'm actually begging you at this place in your life, if you've got this subtle shift, nothing's happened yet. At this point in your life, you can save yourself so much pain and heartache and regret, not just for you, but for all the people around you. If you just stop and backtrack right now. And so maybe it's telling a trusted friend, I'm attracted to this woman at my job right now. I'm attracted to this guy at my job. Maybe it's telling a mentor of yours, I haven't done anything at all. I haven't done anything, but I'm having some some really foolish thoughts in this area. I haven't cooked the books yet, but I'm just beginning to kind of piece things together and learn how I could possibly get away with X, Y, or Z. Or maybe it's telling a best friend in my dating relationships, I haven't done anything 
yet, but I can just tell that I am drastically lowering my standards, hoping that she will make a first move or I will make a first move. Let me say it again. Sin often starts with a subtle shift. Looks totally innocent. You're not gonna find it as a sin in the Bible, but you just know that there's a whole lot more going on. Okay, so David, he stays home from war. Continuing on in verse two. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Hello, the woman was very beautiful. Hello again. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. Just to highlight this, I don't really understand what the monthly thing is that women have. I'm a guy, I'm a guy so I don't even understand. It gets lost in the Hebrew or something there, okay? Then she went back home. Okay, so David's home, right? When he shouldn't be because there's a subtle shift and now he's on the roof of his house and he just so happens to see this beautiful naked woman. Now at this place, instead of just getting honest with God and saying, God, that was very, very interesting what I saw. It was just a very interesting thing that I took in and it was just interesting. And then going home, instead of just having that conversation with God and leaving, David sends one of his servants out to go and find out more about this woman. Well, it turns out that this woman, Bathsheba, she's not just some random woman. Instead, she's the wife of one of David's best warriors, a guy named Uriah. And she's also the granddaughter of one of David's closest mentors, a guy named Eliam. I'm just saying if there's red flags, like they're all going off right now. And at this moment, David needs a best friend to tell him, David, don't do it. David needs a best friend, keep your pants on. David needs a best friend. You need to stay as far from this woman, not because of her, but because of you. You need to stay as far away from her as you possibly can. What does David do? He has Bathsheba brought to him. He has sex with her. Just to be a little bit more blunt, he has sex with another man's wife. We always like to kind of take that part out. You know, it feels nicer. You don't, you know, it doesn't bother your conscience. I just had sex. I'm just flirting with this. Oh, flirting with another person's spouse. Oh, oh, that helps. And then she goes home. Well, at this point, David, he thinks it's the end of the story, right? They did their thing. Now she's back home. Like it, it, was, it was fun, but it's done. Like they, they did this thing, but now it is, it's, it's just over with. Let's just be honest, it's never just done, okay? Like in this moment, like it was fun, like that was, a, that was a good night. It's just done now. It's never just done. Verse, verse five, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Okay, so once again, it all starts with this subtle shift. It looks totally innocent and he stays home from war when he's supposed to be out at war, which leads David messing up big time, and now David's caught in it. Now, now he's caught, and she's pregnant. Now, let's just be honest. This is a 
brutal situation, predicament that he's gotten himself into, and it's a really big deal. But at this place, David has a very clear choice to make. Is he going to fess up or is he going to cover up? Again, now he's, he's got himself in this situation. He's screwed up. She's, she's, she's pregnant. At this place, is he going to fess up or is he going to cover up? Like, is he going to come clean? Is he going to own it and deal with the, the, the consequences of his actions? Or is he going to try to cover it? Like, is he going to try to make it go away? Is he going to try to figure out a plan that he can get out of this? Is he going to fess up or is he going to cover up? Now, I know this is just an example for all of us because all of us are in church and we're perfect. <laughs> we're perfect. When we screw up, when we drop the ball, when we do something stupid, big or small, to be so clear, this isn't just with an affair. Again, it could be, could be money. It could be a, our, something in our private life. Any area or sin in our lives at this place, the decision you and I, we have to make, will you fess up or cover up? Again, once you've taken the step and now you've crossed the line, now that you, you've done the deed, whatever it is, big or small, at this place, a very clear decision, will you fess up or will you cover up? Honestly, today, maybe you're at this place right now. You've already crossed it. You've already done it. Again, it might be really, really small, might be really, really Big, if, if that's you, as a friend, I just ask the question, will you fess up or cover up? Which will you do? So as we're about to find out, David, he decides to try and cover it up. I mean, he's the most powerful person in the country. If anybody can get away with it, David can. Starting in verse, verse six. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked, how him, asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But after Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all of his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told, Uriah didn't go home. So he, David, asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Like, aren't you tired? Has it been a little while since you've seen your wife? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark where God is, the presence of God, the ark where God is and Israel and Judah are all staying in tents and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house and eat and drink? Uriah's like, because like God is out and all my buddies who I'm fighting with are all out in the middle of nowhere in the open country, how could I possibly go home and make love to my wife? As surely as you, King David, as surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Okay, so David brings Uriah back from the battle. And then my favorite part of the story, David does some small talk with Uriah. It's like, so how's the war going? How's it going? Oh, by the way, I just met your, your wife the other night. She's a very lovely person. She's lovely. Okay, next topic, right? But seriously though, David's trying to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, Uriah's own wife, which is messed up to think about, to cover up the pregnancy, but it doesn't work. And why doesn't it not work? 
Well, because Uriah is a good dude, not a dirtbag like David. That's why it doesn't work. No, no kidding. Uriah knows that as a man, this is talk to all the men, as a man, he should be out in the battlefield fighting for his country, not back at home sleeping with another man's wife like David. Literally, the plan, the plan doesn't work. Why? Because Uriah is a man. It's like, gosh, he just wasn't so straight-laced. If he wasn't a man of integrity, all this thing would work. This is so wrong, but just to highlight this, at this point, David once again has a choice to make. It's not too late. Is he going to fess up or is he going to cover up? Is he going to come clean and own his consequences or is he going to try to figure out a way to make it go away? Continuing on in verse 12. Then David said to him, stay here one more day and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. So David gets Uriah drunk, still doesn't work. Once again, just to beat a dead horse with this, David is facing a choice. Do I fess up? It's not too late. Do I, do I fess up or do I try and, and, and cover up? Continuing on in verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. Don't miss this. This is unusually cruel. David is having Uriah deliver his own death warrant. We start covering up. We start doing some things where it's like, really? I'm really doing this? Verse 16, so while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle. So this full account of the battle, this message of Uriah's death and what happened, it, it gets to David the, from this, this messenger. And in verse 25, here's what David says back to the messenger. David told the messenger, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourn for him. Again, this just continues to get darker and darker and darker. Just, just listen to these, these words. David, he's like, don't let this upset you. The sword devours one as well as the other. Like, don't let this upset you. What happened to Uriah is what happens in war. You know, it's just a part of it. Like he, he's serving our country and he died a very like a death of valor. Like, you know, like this is not a, it's just part of war. This is what happens, you know? Don't be upset, though. Be encouraged. Here's what I want to highlight. After David screwed up, after David screwed up, because he decided to cover up, like not because of the action, but because he tried to cover it up instead of fessing up, David ends up killing Uriah. Not because of the action, but because he tries to cover it up. He kills a guy. 
And not just Uriah, but there's actually a, a group of other men that are killed along with Uriah. Friends, listen to this. What, what can we learn from, from, from David? Covering up kills others in yourself. Again, not because of the affair, but because David is trying to cover it up, covering up kills others and yourself. This happens literally with, with David, but the same is true for us. Anytime that we sin, and then we try and cover it up. We try to sweep it under the rug. We try to make it go away. It doesn't go away. It doesn't disappear. Instead, the consequences, they only get worse and worse and worse. It doesn't go away. Instead, we end up killing and hurting more and more people. And hear this, even if we don't get caught, like even through the slim chances that we're able to get away with it, which rarely ever happens, either way, covering it up, it ends up killing us from the inside out. Like even if through some slim chance we, we get away with whatever it is, Truth is, it ends up killing our own soul. What does that even mean, Adam? Psalm 32, David wrote these words during this entire debacle with Bathsheba, and he's trying to cover it up. And in this place, David says, when I tried to cover it up, when I, when I kept silent, my, my, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. I just got to ask, have you ever felt this before? If you have, you know exactly what David is talking about. Like You're like, you're like I don't need a pastor to translate that psalm because I understand what that is com completely. Just, just for myself, this might not be true for you. This heavy conviction for me is one of the clearest proofs of God's existence. It's like, even if I'm, I'm an atheist and even if I do things that don't bother me, it's like, I can't deny like this heaviness. It's almost like there's this being of some kind that like disagrees with what I'm, I'm doing. And as a result, it almost feels like my bones are wasting away inside me. Even though this is 2024 and I'm an adult and I could do whatever I want. When I do this, it just feels... It's almost like there's this hand that's upon my, my life, this heavy hand. I just want to say today, if you are here and you're covering up something right now, and I say this as gently as I can, whether you can see it or not, just know that there is a whole bunch of collateral damage that is taking place around you. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether it's big or small, there's a whole lot of, lot of hurt that is being taken place around you. And, and if no one else, if your actions are hurting no one else, and you're like, it's not hurting anyone else, I would argue it's not good for you, and it's, it's killing your, your soul. It, it, it's, it's, it's killing you. Now, with our story, it might seem like it's all done with at this point. I mean, David did some terrible things, but he was able to make it go away, wasn't he? 
He was able to figure it out. He was able to use his power and he was so clever. He was able to figure it out. Now things are good and he marries Bathsheba and they got this baby coming, which is so exciting. And Uriah is no longer in the picture, but let's not even mention his name anymore. And now we can just move forward. And it's, all, it's like, it's all done with and now we're, we're good to go. Well, not quite. Listen to verse 27. After the time of mourning for Uriah was over, David had her, Bathsheba, brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. Again, everything's fantastic, right? But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. David got away with it, didn't he? Like, we're, we're, he's so smart, he's so clever, he was able to figure out a way to make it go away, and now he's got this fairy tale life, and they can move on. They're so excited about their new wedding and this baby, and everything's fine. I mean, he was able to make it go away. He's got enough power, but he's got enough power just to make it, people shut up and make it go away. But there's this one thing, this but. Man, I'm, I'm the king of Israel. I, I made it all go away. Made it all disappear. I might be a little paranoid, but I made it all go away. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. I don't know about you, this is sobering. No matter how well we do at at covering something up, no matter who we are, even if we're the king of Israel, You can try and cover it up, but God sees it all. No matter what we do, whether we were so smart, she never even found out that I was actually sleeping with this other person. I kind of deserve to sleep with another person, but they never found out my boss. He doesn't even look at the finances, and I was able to figure out a way. You know, it's just, it's laughable. Now, you can try and cover it up, but God sees it all. Friends, nothing is hidden from God. Nothing. So in the next chapter, chapter 12, God ends up sending a friend of David's named Nathan. And Nathan's not just a friend of David, he's also a prophet. And so God sends Nathan to confront David about his his sin. Like after all of this, David is still totally unfazed. And he's just running his, his own race. He's just doing his own thing. And so God sends Nathan, and here is what Nathan tells David in verse 11. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel. He's talking to David, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul, and I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah, and if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Again, like we talked about last week, David and the Israelites, they are established. All these battles have been won by God. They are secure. David has reached this mountaintop. God's like, if that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why? David, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah, the Hittite, with the sword. No one else saw it, but I saw it. And you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me 
and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. God confronts David. And after all this time, it's almost like God has to take a two by four and just smack David right across the face. And at first glance, this might seem so harsh of God. It's like, I, I thought God was, was loving and graceful and kind. This might seem so harsh, and yet it's actually so kind and graceful of God to do this. Why does he confront him? Out of love. I mean, instead of allowing David to continue on with his ways, instead of allowing David to keep destroying his life even more out of love, God steps in and he confronts David. Out of love. In 2024, we get things, we don't even understand what love is. It's like our friends are jumping off the side of cliffs and if it feels good, it's like, just keep jumping off. Dude, I'm in your corner. It feels good. Don't worry about your kids. In 20 years, they'll totally get over it. There's counseling. You need to do what's right for you. Just just jump as far as you can. We don't know what love is. Out of love, God steps in and he confronts David. Out of his kindness, God steps in and he stops him. Once again, at this At this point, along the way, David could have fessed up instead of covering up. And yet it fully takes God stepping in just to wake David up. And at this place, finally, how does David respond? David responds and said, I have sinned. I've sinned. After all the lies and the, de- the deception and his bones wasting away inside him, groaning all day long, it takes God speaking to one of David's friends to confront him and finally bring this to him. I have sinned. I picture David, I have sinned not just against Bathsheba and not against Uriah and not just against Joab, making him do all this crap for me, but no, more than that, I have sinned against the Lord himself. The one who established me, the one who made me, took me from being a shepherd boy to the king. I have sinned against that God. It's like finally, after cover-up, after cover-up, after cover-up, instead of covering it up, he confesses it. Finally, after all the lies and covering it up, he he confesses his sin. Before God, he acknowledges it. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything and say that from here, that things get easy for, for David, far from it. There's a ton of fallout that's about to happen because of David's actions. It's not going to be easy, but at least now, David is back in relationship with God. He's back in relationship with him, like immediately after David confesses his sin. It's not like David figures out everything and cleans himself up before he goes to church. No, the the moment that David acknowledges his sin, he acknowledges his fault, God forgives him. Immediately, 
And yes, there might still be consequences for David, but he is now back on track with the Lord. Okay, so today, this is David's story. But more than David's story, I know that this is so many of our stories as well. So many of our stories. And maybe it's not having an affair like David. It might be having an affair like David. Maybe though it's, it's getting caught up in gossip or it's something with, with money, it's something with alcohol, with taking pills and you just can't stop t- taking them. Something shady at work, it's pornography, maybe it's your anger. Friends, none of us are immune from this. None of us. I don't care how long you've been following Jesus and how many Bible verses you have memorized and quoted. I I honestly really don't care when it comes to this specific area. None of us are immune. And if you think that you are, pride comes before the fall. It does. Again, this is David's story. And today I just want to ask, where are you in all of this that we've talked about? Maybe today, and maybe you're not anywhere in this, but maybe today you've made this subtle shift. Whether because you're, it was pride, whether it was because you're just busy, you're ex- exhausted, you've made this subtle shift in, in your life and you haven't done anything wrong yet. You haven't done anything foolish yet, but you just know that it's not as innocent as it appears or maybe you've already gone one step further. You, you've done whatever it is, big or small, and you're trying to decide, am I gonna fess up or am I gonna cover it up? Maybe you're here and you're beginning to see the fallout from your actions. Even if the whole truth hasn't come out yet, you're beginning to see how it's hurting other people and if no one else, how it's, how it's slowly killing your soul. Again, where are you at in this? Well, today as we end our time, I wanna encourage you wherever you are, if you are struggling in any short, short, sort of way, just today to tell God, just to acknowledge it to him. And I'd encourage you to get really specific. Don't, don't try to sugarcoat it even with God. We come clean kind of halfway. No, if you're gonna come clean, tell God everything. And so I'll get really specific. God, I'm making this subtle shift in this specific area. I'm not gonna try to be a politician and even make it sound good between you and me. No, I'm making a subtle shift in this specific area. Or maybe God, today, I, I, I need to fess up instead of covering it up. And so God, I'm confessing this very specific thing to you that I've done last week, six years ago, six months ago, whatever it might be, I'm confessing this thing to you. Friends, when we confess our sins, yes, there might still be consequences, but when we confess our sins, when we acknowledge it before God, we are told that God promises to forgive us. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. When we acknowledge and confess our sin, we are immediately back in right relationship with God. And so today at all campuses and network churches, I'm gonna invite you to stand right now. If you wanna stand, we're gonna, we're gonna close in with, with a worship song. And as we, 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 we worship here, I just wanna, for your sake, just encourage you, challenge you to tell God whatever it is. Just between the, 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 the quietness of your soul, between you and God, just to, again, get specific today, God, I've, I've made this subtle shift and I wanna tell you about it. Today, God, instead of covering up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fess up. Get really specific and just tell God, would you forgive me of this specific thing? Would you forgive me, Lord? because I'm tired of my bones groaning all day long.
And as we stand and sing, I want to tell you, 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 for for whatever reason, you might just feel like, oh my gosh, God is speaking right directly to me. And so instead of standing and singing, you're like, "I, I need to sit down. Or even more than that, it's like, I need to get on my knees. Like I just, I just, God is hitting me right across the the face. And so you maybe need to get on your knees, regardless of what it is, again, big or small. Don't leave without telling God. Just tell him for your sake, for the sake of your soul. Tell him. Before we sing, let's, let's pray. Join me in prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God whose love endures forever. I'm so thankful that you're a God who loves your son David enough to send one of his best friends to go and confront him. Just like you might be right now in this moment through this message. Some of us have been covering it up and covering it up and covering it up so much so that we can't even hear our soul anymore. And and today, God, I just, I just picture you like, like, like sending Nathan, you send this message to us because you love us so much to confront us. And so Jesus, right now, we acknowledge these things to you. I confess this specific thing to you, God. Just tell him whatever it is. I've made this subtle shift, this specific subtle shift, and I just want to tell you, God, I confess this thing to you. Lord, because you are so good, would you forgive me of this specific sin? Just tell him. God, we come before you thankful for who you are. I'm not sure what next steps look like. That first step is telling you. I ask that you give us discernment, wisdom, maybe a conversation with a best friend about like what, what, what actions are you wanting from here? more than just to leave feeling good and then going right back to the same situation. God, if there's any wisdom we need, would you, just, would you just help us to seek that out? Lord, we're so thankful that you've sent us Jesus. We're forgiven not because we are, we are good enough, not because we clean ourselves up really well or we cover it all up, Lord. We, we are forgiven only because you so love this world, which includes us. You've offered us life, abundant life through the cross and an empty tomb. And so Lord, today we lift up your name, the name of Jesus above any other name. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If today's message encouraged you, or if there's someone who comes to mind that you think might need to hear today's message, take a moment now to share it with them. 